do not swear. You are lying. <laughs> on Channel 4. <laughs> I loved that show! <laughs> Please do not swear. Okay, so, hi, and welcome back to Planting the Seed. Today's episode is all about experiential group that as trainee drama therapist we have to do. I am with my good friend Wit who um, did the drama therapy course the year after me so a lot of things changed compared to how I did it. So yeah I just want to introduce Wit and get started basically so yeah. Hi Wit. Hello Andrea May, how are you doing? I'm good thank you, how are you? Good. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tired, but I'm here and I'm present and I'm ready. So let's go. Yeah, I think same to be honest with you. I didn't sleep very well and it's not really early in the morning, but it's early-ish. So, um... yeah, that's true. I feel awful for saying I'm tired at 22 past nine, but <laughs> it's early-ish. So the way I I'm see it, that. yeah, it's like seven o'clock somewhere in the world. That's a good point. Oh my gosh, that is such a good point you make. Yeah, exactly that. I don't know if it's the weather as well. I don't know if it's anything to do with that. I think the weather just, right now makes you want to crawl back into bed. Yeah. Uh, it makes me want to. I should own that. It makes me want to crawl back into bed. Makes me want to kind of uh, be lazy on, on the sofa with a blanket. Yeah. So. And a cup of tea and people bringing me food. <laughs> Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, so today's um, topic, I introduced it at the beginning, is about experiential group. We've spoken about this um, on a number of occasions through just work and, um, and things like that. And it's always seemed to me to be a really a topic that is very um, heated. I think we have a lot of eye rolls when um, within the drama therapy community, when we talk about experiential group for whatever reason, you know, and I will own my reasons um, and explain them later. But I just wondered, what do you think, um, ex what was experiential group for you basically? not it, oh, I think on paper it appeared okay so in the module handbook mm. it it didn't read like it would be as awkward as it was okay. um it was at the end of the day after your long day at university doing some intense work and then experiential and I have to say I don't think I no it wasn't something I looked forward to it's something I experienced but it wasn't it I did it because I had to do it of course but I didn't take very much pleasure out of it and I I, I could not own that properly back then uh 
but I can own it now. And I think it was part of trying to fit into the mold and potentially please, as that's a trait that I have anyway. Mm -hmm. And get through it as positive as I can, even though I wasn't feeling it. So yeah, <laughs> complicated for me, I feel. Yeah, I think it was it was complicated for me on all them notes because it, it was at the end of the day. Um, as I said at the beginning, while speaking to you, we realised that the course changed quite a bit since when I did it to, to when you did it. So when I did it, it was two hours. So it started. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it started at five and finished at seven, and. <laughs> I think because of our course year, um, that's why they changed it. Um, because it was just it was too long. It was a lot of awkward silences. That two-hour session at the end of the day, it in a way um, ruined a relationship that we could have had like a teacher student relationship moving forward. Cause I just, I just didn't trust whatever was, was said. Like, I didn't know how to, how to be around, around them. And then I didn't understand what is therapy and what isn't therapy. And I think for a person who's never done it before, cause I, as everyone knows, did um, a drama course. So I never did anything um, therapeutic. And this was like my first venture into therapy. I was very quite shocked that they could rip, I would say rip a plaster off, look at it and then tell you, and then put the plaster back on and tell you to go to, you to, go to therapy with that. And I thought that that was quite um, quite hard to deal with. Um, so I feel like I closed off from a number of things because of that. One hour was bad enough. So two, um, I- We had a couple of breaks in there. <laughs> still, I think it breaks knowing you're still in that, that's still, you know, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Can I say that? I'm sorry that you had to endure two hours of experiential group and that it impacted your relationship. Was that for both years, sorry, or just the first? Both. Oh my gosh. Um, um, yeah, I'm sorry that it impacted your relationship with the facilitator as well. Mm. That's that's really sad because they, even though they're quite distant with how, I guess, they manage the course and, and us, uh, they're still a big part of our training. Mm. So for you to have that impact other areas mm. of the MA, that's, that's really sad. Um, and weird enough I there, there were a few people well I say a few people one in particular who's a good friend of mine now he just 
he suppressed it for so long, but he could not, he, he couldn't stand our facilitator in that time. Like yeah. he had like fantasies of, of terrible things <laughs> during that time. Whereas I felt quite opposite about the facilitator. I was more interested in who they were. Mm. And I don't know if, if that was to distance myself, to avoid, I'm not sure, but I just, I wanted to know what they did in their spare time and if they were human outside of that room, which is quite interesting because is that me saying that they're not human inside the room? Uh, is that because of how abnormal the situation is or was? So uh, am I trying to make some sense of it to, to tell myself actually, they, they do go to sleep at night and they do eat food and maybe they do go to the gym. Uh, I don't know. I just took more of an interest in the facilitator, but I was annoyed at them at the same time because they were giving us nothing. It was like, these are the boundaries. <laughs> Literally. And that's it. And that is it. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I. Yeah. There was a. There was a. There was a girl on the course that was um on my year that was the same. Very intrigued with, with um. With what was going on with the facilitator's life, and in a way, I get that because it's like, well, you know, do you have? Do you have kids or do you go to the gym? Do you go for lunch? Do you, you know, do you do you go to the pub? Because they're so blanket, you can't read what's going on. So you start to create a little story in your mind of, of what their lives are. And you know, that's clearly more about us than than her because we're 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 definitely putting that on her or on him um so yeah so but I think kind of mirroring that now that we are therapists in our own right you know there's a lot of times when the client would put something on us that are isn't necessarily true because we're we're not giving ourselves away so I always think how is that for my clients now because I hated it even though I'm there for them I hated not I hated not knowing about that person so I feel like do I give a tiny bit of myself just so that they they know that I'm a bit human and especially now that we're working, you know, we're both working with children in our own right. It's a, it's a lot different than working with adults. You can be very um, standoffish with adults because they can understand that boundary. But with children, I feel like, you know, they need that, especially the children that we're working with, they need that nurture. They need to know, in my eyes anyway, they need to know that, you've got a caring nature and that you're not just going to go no you don't go that far and cut it off yeah uh, so when they ask me questions about kind of my life outside I'll answer some of them mm -hmm. uh, 
depending on what what it is really yeah Um, but I I think that makes you a tiny bit more human and not that kind of robot um outside in the in the real world doing what we do I agree I, I just we work with trauma and attachment these children and young people we work with they have been failed on numerous occasions so for us to put a wall up something they've been used to probably their entire life yeah that to me is unhelpful and if a, a child asks me if I like Hollyoaks I'll say I have watched it and I, I, I enjoyed it growing up but now it's not something I'm into as much anymore mm. um, and I won't go into depth because obviously it's important it's their session yeah. it's about them but like you said we can't completely be robots I, I think even with adults even though maybe you can be more blunt, like you said, with a certain boundary and, and the, have the capacity to understand. I don't think me and you, Andrea May, could just be robots anyway, to be honest. I think we'd always find a way of connecting with our clients on a brief personal level. We'd, we'd be, be as private as we could be and ethical as we could be, but the small things and depending on what type of client and their referral their background depends on on what would be more appropriate for some but we we would always give a bit a bit of ourselves um however experiential there was there was nothing and what's worse is it was therapeutic and not therapy I mean I know there's therapists out there that that are very uh blank facial expressions and personally I couldn't go and see someone like that I need something back from them that but that's me uh, that's my stuff um but it, in a therapeutic atmosphere to have absolutely nothing back but then maybe we give parts of ourselves and have nothing to work with it that's that's quite detrimental it's like okay you may be working with some intense stuff I suggest you take that to therapy okay I'm not seeing my therapist until what times to what I've got to carry all that whereas with our clients we are actually in therapy well we're facilitating therapy it's therapy so if they do bring stuff we can work with it experiential nothing and and it, it seems like we could support each other throughout the day so if someone cried we would be there um maybe not so huggy huggy because uh that can make people worse well it makes me worse so um support them but in experiential it's like we lost the ability to be human I don't know it's like there was a when when the terrorist attack happened in in Paris a really amazing friend of mine she was from France and she was suffering in in that moment and we didn't do anything. We sat there, we listened, and that is it. I feel quite ashamed expressing that because I would I would go up to her and I would comfort her mm. in a way she felt comfortable. I didn't do that. And, and that kept happening throughout 
the two years, it was like, how do we be normal in this group? How do it, well, I hate the word normal, but how do we act as we've acted throughout the day in this time here? We've done it throughout the day. We've talked normally. We've had uh, sessions and, and groups and, and, and uh, activities, games, whatever together. And it seemed a, a, a dynamic that we, we are used to, but in this particular experiential group, it goes out the window. I, I, it, it's I, I, found, I found I dissociated a lot within within the group. I just was just like, I ain't gonna. I really just stopped, took a step back. So in our group, we had, we did. I don't know in yours, but we did like a movement and a sound to begin the session. And everyone would go, and I'd just be like there just waiting and I think half of it was nerves I got nervous and I just didn't know and then half of it I didn't know what I was gonna do and then I just waited and there was one time I had gone like because I used to be one of the last people or always the last person to go there was one time I went really early um and then everyone was like has everyone been Andrew you haven't been you haven't been and I was like I have been. I was like one of the first to go this time. She was like, they were like, oh, okay, then we can sit down and we can talk. <laughs> and it's just, it's just a nerve wracking situation. And looking back, I'm so glad, I'm glad I did it. But looking back, I'm glad it's over. Yes. And I think one of the things that kind of stops me from doing anything um to like to become a supervisor or anything along them lines is going back into experiential and sitting around with a group of people that are having problems and things are coming up for them and nobody is it's not like the the nobody's able to to address that at that time and when we had therapy, especially in the first year when we did, when I did group, um, we had the therapy on the Sunday and then we, I was in on the Monday. Okay. So if we had to hold anything, we had to hold that until the Sunday, the week after for the group. And it was just like, can't cope with this. This is just too much. And even in, in the second year, I'd have the uni on the Monday and it wouldn't have been till the Thursday. What isn't as long, but then you've still got a lot more stuff going on in them couple of days that you might need to talk about. Um, things about your family, things about, you know, your childhood. Um, that is a safe place to bring, you know, in a safe environment that you feel like you can bring up. So I feel like a lot of stuff that did come up in the group I didn't explore it anywhere else and I kind of buried it because I had other things to to occupy my time when I when I was in therapy. Oh gosh. <laughs> Bless you, Andrea May. I, I really 
I don't know if it's it's uh, politically correct to feel bad for everyone that has to experience it, but um, I I had therapy on the Saturday, I think, so it it was similar time for you uh, as you, um, and I'm glad I experienced it. It was necessary in order, I feel, to get where we needed to get on top of everything else, but to get where we needed to get to really understand different dynamics and ones we could be faced with and how we may feel, uh, transference, counter-transference, all of it, um, as well as our own therapy, but more... Uh, more intense and weird mm. I feel um from from experiential I it's just the weirdest I haven't reflected properly since near that time since I wrote my essay talked about it a little bit here and there with you and others but not to this um depth mm -hmm. and it's uh, bringing back things that were, I can't say it was all, it wasn't all bad, but it was us trying to find out what the group was. So it's like, okay, so what do we do? Should we play a game? And it was maybe avoiding what it was by trying to be uh, as, as dramatic as possible. And oh, should we do role play and fill this space as sometimes we may do as therapists in the sense of, okay, we've hit a brick wall with the client. This client is very standoffish, lets us fill the space. Not all therapists do that. Therapists may do that at times. I know that sometimes I felt the need to fill the space because I may have felt awkward with a client in a particular situation. And the client has also done the same when we've had a natural silence and it's been okay, but they haven't been able to handle it. Mm. So I have experienced it now in, in the therapy space, but then it was like, okay, we need to do something. Well, we're drama therapists. We, we're from creative backgrounds. Come on, let's get up on our feet and do something. And it was just, okay, we've done that now now what <laughs> so it was always like either we'd sit there and wait for someone to talk or someone would be like okay let's do this yeah and over that period of time or well, the first year we, we lost a few members as well so it was kind of like probably the first half of the year that uh we were losing people so it was reflecting about that as well and how odd that was because if they were quite an active person who who um gave a lot participated a lot then that was a huge loss for the experiential group it was definitely I don't know I, I was probably avoidant but I did my best not to show it so I was I I hid a lot but I, that's the story of my life so it wasn't I was just taking that part of me and bringing it into that group um and I went through a lot of changes I from the MA 
getting lupus and then bringing it into the group where I was having physical changes but then I would still be like I'm fine and literally I didn't see you at that time but I had really big legs because I had water retention in my legs Mm. and I I was walking I was um walking strange and well I'll try my best not to but there were big legs so I was in a it was was inevitable like it was going to happen and I was limping and I took all that into the group and I I did nothing with it until the second year when I was brave enough to actually tell people because it was lupus it's lupus awareness month in October so October of the second year I plucked up the courage to actually tell everyone uh, what I was suffering with and I brought a a, a leaflet and, and people passed it around and there was some um, emotional responses which was different for us because we'd we, we were so good at just not taking any notice or not no sorry uh, take that back we took notice but we didn't know what to do with it yeah and I think there was still that with the reaction to what what I disclosed, um, but more of a, I felt more of a support, um, but then I didn't at the same time. It was very odd. Um, I guess, I guess, uh, it was emotional and a physical roller coaster for me. Mm. And I just don't think it was the appropriate space to bring something like that and to really go through something like that. And to go through, we all had our, we all have our stories and what we were going through at that time. But for me, it just, it encouraged me to avoid more. I don't know what, maybe that's me blaming that when really that's something I do anyway but I don't think it helped yeah it didn't welcome it didn't feel like a welcoming space mm. yeah I think ours I had a I had a, a few really good people there that knew what was going on with um my family at the time I didn't bring it into experiential because I didn't see there was a, a point to it but my one of my sisters got very sick um the, do you do you remember doing the first week we did um a big intensive week didn't we and we had to stay at uni for a week that yeah. week my sister got sick um really really sick and first year wasn't it second year sorry first, second first week of the second year she got yeah. very very sick and that just carried on for that that year she still has some problems now but she's a lot better but that just carried on for that year and there were so many ups and downs and I'd just turn up to uni and turn up to work and and looking back I'm thinking you should have stopped like and that should have been brought up and I remember I think 
I did go to the course leader at the time and I told her what had happened, but I think I was very factual. Like this has happened and I'll be fine. And I just want to let you know, because you need to know, because it's in that course handbook that I need to tell someone if, you know, something's going on with me. So I'm telling you now. And that was it. And now looking back, I think if I had got that information, I would have, I would hope that I would check in with that student even though they didn't check in with me, I would hope I would check in with them just to see how things going. Remember, you can get more support because there was a there was an essay within that first term that I failed. And um, looking back, I feel like my head wasn't in the game. Like I just completely missed a whole question. Like. The course leader, who, who the person who um, literally marked it, he said, if you had put something in, anything in it, you know, I could have, I could have tried to find, you know, I could have tried, but you, you just did not put anything in of the second question. And I can't justify giving you a pass when you've just not hit the mark. And, you know, looking back, I thought, you know what? Yeah, I get it. But at the same time, As, as a group of staff kind of facilitators of a course that is therapeutic and for the course leader to know what was going on and then not kind of send that down the other staff members so that they can keep an eye and make sure that, oh, this is going on, maybe check in on her, um, I felt was a bit of a it's disappointing looking back now there's nothing I can do about it it's done do you know what I mean at the end of the day I've passed the course and do you know what I mean I love my job but I feel that there's parts of the course and parts of the academic part of the course that should run academically and not necessarily run with a therapeutic angle on it um so yeah yeah well I'm sorry to hear about your sister um anything to do with family or oneself is very very challenging mm. I wonder I wonder if it were you if you'd act the same way because mine was me and I acted the same way and I failed an essay I failed an essay because I, uh, and I don't think I've ever told anyone, um, but it's interesting how it, it happened in your second year that, and then my first year was when it all started for me. And I, because I was so determined to finish this essay, which I wasn't even thinking about, but I put that before going to the hospital, this essay that I failed. So I was like, no, I've got to get this done. I can't go yet. And I was putting my life at risk for, for an essay that, that the one I failed. It should be. I look back and I think, what were you doing? But that's how badly avoidant I can be. And I, I think that carried over to the group mm. um, and to, to, because uh, I had a, a 
a support plan in place because they offer you one. Um, I think in any point where you feel you need support, mine was, mine was coming from a health perspective and I went to see the student support person, a nurse, and I felt worse and I didn't do anything about it. I, I Like you, I, I should have challenged it or asked more questions, potentially complained, but I didn't. Mm. And I'm, I'm annoyed at myself. I mean, I, I know that now, so I'm glad that if it happened now, I'd be able to do it. But it's just annoying that I couldn't do it then. It. Yeah, I think we need to remember that we have to go through that journey of self kind of reflection and self-discovery. And it's finding your voice sometimes. And I think looking at it from a black perspective now, how many times have we been told like, oh, just get on with it. Or, you know, you need to just, just fight for it because the minute you get it done, then it's out of the way. And I can see a lot of similarities just from a cultural perspective that hasn't helped in our situations, even though we've done the right thing and gone to the right people and had the conversation, we also needed to stop and reflect and really take note of what's going on for us and then start again and then, you know, have that conversation with ourselves. What do we want? What's going on for us? Where is this hurting within ourselves? Um, and what can we do for ourselves to make ourselves better? And then move and move forward with that and make it and sometimes make a plan. But I think we have this thing that's just built within 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 us. Um that we've just got to get on with it. And let's not moan. Because if we moan, you know, some some somewhere down the line, something's gonna happen. So let's just continue and don't make a fuss. And I've been brought up like that. So there's so many times within my life that, you know, people have said, oh, just leave that. You, you leave and work in a couple of weeks. What's the point in making a, making a fuss? And I'm thinking, no, even now it annoys me. <laughs> like I get annoyed, like, no, no, if something's gone on and you as a person feel that you need to complain or you need to bring that up with somebody, do it because at least you have no regrets and you're not holding on to that going into the next situation and you're holding on to past events and you're also taking it out on somebody else even harder than you might have done in, in the first instance if you had, you know, close that door and you know gone to another problem and seeing that as a fresh new situation 
yeah so I, I think we've got a lot of it from a cultural perspective as well that we have to take account of definitely I agree um it's it's interesting you you bring in that that up uh because the nurse that I spoke to she made a comment that I definitely should have complained about Andrea May mm. and it feel so small so tiny that it I let it go and it was basically saying she asked me what I had and I said lupus and she made that the connection of well you're black so as in okay so I'm black and I do, do I deserve it because I'm black or are you saying I'm black so of course I have lupus because it's more common mm. in in ethnic minorities is but that's that's what she put on me she she kind of yeah oh yeah you're black so and and even though I know that that's not part of experiential but that's just another example of that was more direct we're used to it being quite uh well in a form of passive aggressiveness microaggressions or or my experience hasn't been so direct racism it's been uh covert and and, and institutional that that way in a way that we would know it was racism but someone privileged wouldn't have a clue what was going on. Well, sorry, not ev not every person wouldn't have a clue, but they would be less aware. Yeah. So more likely go over their head, and it, unless you explained. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did nothing about that. I didn't even tell um, the tutors. Yeah. But I'm I'm just thinking if if I had a more if, if the relationships we were able to have were more human, mm. where you didn't feel like you shouldn't have asked the question and they say, okay, will you go and deal with that? I, I guess if I had more of a, a comfortable and open relationship with them, maybe I would have gone to them in order to be able to help me to complain. I'm not sure, but uh yeah that was, was that that was the first year and it kind of if anything it probably made me suppress more or it, it made me think didn't it it's that oppressive yeah. moving forward yeah let's let's stay closed off or let's carry on trying to fit in this mold I mean come on now you're black with lupus now that's another thing that people will comment on so might as well we've got to try and fit in in every other way possible now um yeah she was exploring blackness and she was openly black how can I say that like I'm not openly black but I mean in the sense of um I wasn't working with it I didn't really understand it at that time mm. um and I was, I was in my mid-twenties. It's taken me a while to get to the point I'm at now, being owning being a black woman, because I just, growing up, I was never, no one spoke about what it meant to be black. I, I didn't have a clue. 
and I had to learn myself and I'm still learning but I was dealing with my health because it was so present and I had to deal with it in order to survive to survive the course so being black I was that but I wasn't that's not something I was looking at at that time Mm. and I think because of that reason even though I got on with this person we couldn't connect in that way because we're in we're going through completely different things and I, I probably wouldn't have been the support she needed at that time support from a distant way as we all kind of were on the course but not not how we are now yeah 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 I, I see I see that I, I really and I really um empathize on that note really because you are I find that we are we, we all are on different journeys going through the course um anyway like any course like any journey that you're on even though you're on a journey collectively with with a group of people you are on your own separate journeys um but I found I was asking a lot of questions about identity and you know cultural identity um my hair everything I was asking questions and really exploring that I feel like I could have gone deeper if I um but I also feel that um sometimes going deeper with certain things brings up things for other people outside of of me so my family and you know you sometimes you don't want to step on some people's toes by going too deep so you kind of retract from doing that um but I feel like I found a voice within that now um moving forward but it it it, it takes a long time to to come out of that shell and to um be able to openly say feels like I'm coming out being gay or something but openly say that you are an activist within like the black community and you want equal opportunities and you want black lives to matter um because I feel like sometimes especially with my own history and background family wise and friendship wise am I stepping on their toes by being this activist you know at the weekend I'm an activist but in the week I'm like yeah I'll have a cup of tea um (laughs) (laughs) and we'll have crumpets (laughs) 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 but yeah so I feel I always feel torn between that and I still do in it in in a tiny way but I think we're, I'm opening up to that now and finding my voice um, that that needs to be, you know, the things that need to be said. So we'll see what, you know, the next couple of years brings. But yeah, I think moving forward and kind of also looking back on experiential, I'm glad I went through it. I just didn't like it at the time. And I think 
even now I don't reflect on it very often and even when I did the essay I don't think I really reflected on it I just wrote something and hoped that I passed it and I did um because it was one of the courses that I didn't understand and I didn't like so I didn't put my heart and soul into it I was just like I need to pass this course that's all I need to pass this part so take it off the tip yeah <laughs> well I, I I did pretty much the same with the essay it was kind of get it over and done with but um about your your activist and and trying to balance it with other aspects of your life I feel you will find a balance at the moment because it's quite new for you mm. um and myself to be to own this way of being yeah for, for black people and for our black self um it's kind of there's still a, a, a line and, and a separation um and and uh things we're still learning and well we'll we'll always be learning but but trying to balance that activist self and black self and um personal life professional life it's it's a working progress and we will find that balance, it will come. And I'm just really grateful that we have this space and this time um, and, and not necessarily just for the podcast, but in general, um, people that get it, we get it. And there's a level of comfort in that because I think I don't have to try and fit in a mold, I just, I am this, I am present and I am myself and I'm not trying to not be angry because I'm trying to suppress the angry black woman that I don't want to be stereotyped as. Um, and even that itself, like that, you said about things being uh, brushed under the carpet mm -hmm. uh, in your life. And that for me is the same. I think I found drama and, and the creative arts, performing arts, because in my family, things were brushed under the carpet or they were left with no way of dealing with things. So I had to find a way of letting things out safely. Um, could have gone the other way. I could have been a child with behavioral issues. Um, who knows? But luckily I, I had the arts and that really helped with expressing oneself. Um, and maybe experience will brought that back yeah. as well. I'm so pleased to have got through that bloody course. I feel if I was to do experience, experiential again, there would be that level of awkwardness and, and the unknown, unpredictable, weird dynamic. But I feel I would be different because I am different. I have developed and progressed so much since that time i am more in control of of what i do in my life um because i i am finally saying goodbye to toxic people mm. i mean it's it's not always easy and you can't just say goodbye to someone but it's working with it and being brave enough to say actually that they're not good for me um and even in my own family you know people that you're supposed to love and trust that that potentially reject you or or 
constantly treat you like shit, but you put up with it because they're blood. Um, and I'm civil, but I also not let them go, but there's more of a distance there that I have put in place to, to save myself and to be more in control. So I feel I would bring that to experiential again. Mm. Uh, sorry, again. Uh, now, if I was to have my time again, I would bring a different part of myself, a newer part, well, a, a, a more nurtured part of myself. It's always been there, but I had suppressed it for so long that now it, it's it's uh, weaving its way out, I guess. I would bring my now self, knowing what I know about therapy outside of the course into how I would be within that room now um, and be able to develop a better sense of myself, I think, because I'd be able to say what is going on inside my head and not just sit there. Because a lot of the time I just sit there and just thought, if I don't say anything, though, just maybe yeah. I'll try and disappear. And in a way, I, I do that quite often, depending on what kind of um, group I'm in. I will try and disappear. But I think, you know, from a working perspective, trying not to do that and trying to be present so that we can, so I can learn something again about myself and um, would be a good thing to do. And I think, I'm glad I brought this topic up because it's made me think about experiential a lot differently to how I left it. Because I literally left it, stuck it in a box, walked away, I was like, that's done. And I think looking at it now, one of them things you have to open and you really reflect on it and you put it back in the box and you leave it for a bit and you open it and you reflect on it and I think if I didn't think I needed at that time wow yeah, yeah. I believe I've just witnessed um self-actualization and transformation from you in, in connection to experiential, which is amazing in itself and just wonderful because we, we talk about these moments and we think, okay, well, hopefully they happen with clients or with ourselves and that's the, the ideal situation um but to actually experience it for ourselves or witness it that's that's really beautiful moments that mm. I think we take for granted in life anyway or in general human beings do um I'm just really proud that you got to this moment mm. and I, I, I also I was quite sad when you you said about uh, that you wanted to disappear and that you because even though I know that reflects experiential but I, I do think it reflects the black experience too and and there's a lot of black people that do want to disappear and uh, it's very sad it's very sad because 
we shouldn't feel that way, but we are in a system designed to make us feel that way. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like mixed messages, man. And, and I, I really hope that's something you continue to reflect on. So if you do want to disappear, it's in a, is more in a playful, funny way, more so than wanting to disappear, because I think there's a lot more to that for us, definitely. Um, and thank you for, thank you for this topic, because for me now, it, it, exploring it and, and reflecting upon experiential in this way has helped me too. And I know that I had to experience that <laughs> to get to this point. Yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful for that now. Um, but at the time I was like, what is this? And who am I? Um, but I would know who I am now. And I, I know, well, not 100%, but it's, it's there. I have more of an awareness of who, who I am compared to that time. And damn, do, do they seriously do this for us to get to this point years down the line? Uh, it hasn't been that long. <laughs> it's still been long, you know. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it, it feels like a closure. Yeah, I agree. I feel if we talk about it again, if we talked about experiential again, there would be more uh, from me more understanding and more willing to uh see both sides from mm -hmm. yeah I their guess. side yeah um at the yeah. same time I think it's amazing that um that we've done this journey we've been on this little little journey together even though we're separate in our groups we've gone on this little journey together of kind of understanding what it's about and I think maybe from a cultural perspective because we don't go into therapy and we don't we don't understand kind of the rules and the and the boundaries and what therapy is all about we've got nobody we've got nobody to go to like I definitely didn't I didn't have anyone to run to and go I'm in this experiential group and I don't really understand what's going on and what's it about what, what is it um from a cultural perspective and such from a, a just a general kind of I want to know um so yeah so I think it's it's nice to to be able to look back at it and not necessarily hate it all but find something that you actually got out of it that is helping you now um yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. the benefits more so than uh, I feel more at ease now let's put it that way from from when we started talking um to now and it's not to do with tiredness because I think the tiredness I feel is mental more so than than um needing to go to sleep it's fatigue mm. um that's that's my tiredness so it's nothing to do with it being an hour later yeah it, I feel um 
it's what it's the fact that we've hashed it out and and we've looked at it and and we've not avoided it because it because it's it, it's easier to do that when it's not a topic of discussion that someone's named we are talking about this if if it's brought up in in a social environment we can uh say and and avoid or be quiet as we please and but in, in this environment though I feel comfortable because I think if I didn't want to say something I'd say to you actually I don't feel comfortable maybe expressing that but that's the beauty of this I don't really have those moments mm. um and like yourself I didn't have someone to look at the cultural um black perspective or what the hell is experiences um thank you andrea may for bringing the dreaded experiential <laughs> to to uh podcast it was definitely necessary for my own personal and professional development yeah you're welcome anytime <laughs> Maybe let's give it a little break. Okay. And then... <laughs> <laughs> the Tuesday not good for you? No? Okay. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much, Wit. This has been an amazing topic. It's brought up so much for us both. Um, thank you for being on this little journey with, with me and being open enough to to talk about it it's to, it's one of the to understand what a bit of experiential is um without actually going back to the course handbook or asking it <laughs> so thank you so much it's been a pleasure no problem thank you andrea May.